two. Fratelloni's Ace Hardware and Garden Stores brings you Garage Logic Podcast number five hundred and fifty nine, Feb fifteenth, twenty twenty one. We had our first sixty. It was sixty three degrees oh. on this day in nineteen twenty one. And it was 25 below in 1875. That's the first 60 that shows up in our calendar year. It was on this day in 1921. That is and now, from the mayor's office, above the boathouse, on the east shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic with Rookie on Production, Chris Reavers, Director of Social Media, John Hyde in the newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop. Here is your flashlight king, fireworks commissioner, and keeper of common sense, your mayor, Joe Souchere. Cold temperatures can sap electric car batteries, temporarily reducing their range by more than 40% when interior heaters are used. So great, on a day like today, just don't use your heater you don't need it. in your car. Put some choppers on and let's go. It's a study out of Detroit. Uh, this, the AAA studied five electric vehicles and also found that high temperatures can cut into battery range. So they're maybe useful in San Diego. You might be able yeah. to get away with one. Got you. <laughs> Combine that with the rolling blackouts in the south right now, and uh, you got a real problem. Uh, if Biden gets anywhere near he, where he wants to be, this is a Jordy. Solar cells covered by snow don't work. Cold weather is usually accompanied with no wind, so all green energy is gone. When there is not enough supply, the power frequency starts to slow down and the net voltage goes down. Eventually, the overloaded generators die, even the fossil fuel ones. It takes some time for the dead generator to recover. That may overload even more generators, and you may have catastrophic chain reaction power failure. The only way to prevent it is to shut down some part of the grid, a blackout. In order to get everybody some power, they keep shutting and turning on different parts of the grid. That's your rolling blackouts. Very common in communist and third world countries. In some countries, they even publish schedules of power availability, not that they are bound by them. Coming to the grid near you, good luck, Jordy. All right. And that's what we're seeing in Texas right now, Suchi boy, rolling blackouts. And if you are told that, uh, for example, uh, a kid I used to have as a friend in Austin, Texas, and they were chatting this morning, and her friend in Austin, Texas uh, said we have, it's 15 degrees and we have 8 inches of snow. And I, I, we're fated to be told this has something to do with what the hysterians keep calling climate change. So I looked it up. The record snow for Austin is November 22nd and 23rd, 1936, when they had 11 inches. And I'm reminded more and more every day that one way to push back uh, against this utter nonsense is to remind people that uh, in our lifetime, which I'm assigning to 1850, nothing has changed. Nothing. Hmm. The, The climate's always changing imperceptibly, but nothing has changed. Nothing. And you're being sold a bill of goods by these... uh, climate activists. I have two uh, sisters living in Austin, Such, and uh, one of them bought a generator, and the other one is giving a big middle finger to all of that and s- somehow surviving anyway. Huh. Uh, but they say, yeah, the Texans just aren't ready for this kind of nonsense. Al Gore tweeted out over the weekend against Line 3, calling projects like Line 3 reckless, even though the new line will be much more energy efficient. 
He's a guy who made millions when he sold his cable channel to Al Jazeera in Qatar for $500 million. He criticizes an oil pipeline project. In the same tone of John Kerry, pay no attention to how I live. I will criticize your way of life. Not many. Not sure how many carbon offsets he would need. This is from uh, Zip. Uh, not sure how many carbon offsets he would need to buy to balance out the fact that he inconveniently lives in an energy hog of a house. In one month last year, Gore's home. This is from the NationalCenter.org. Uh, Gore's home consumed more electricity than the average family uses in 34 months. The electricity used to heat Gore's swimming pool would power six homes a year. And this, and this year, after Gore spent tens of thousands of dollars installing green upgrades, which he was embarrassed into doing with his energy-hogging home, first came to light a decade ago. In fact, according to the NCPPR report, Gore's home used more electricity last year than it did in 07 before he installed all those energy-reducing features. We're surrounded by hypocrites. Th- I have one more thing that even drives that nail further into his skull. Al Gore purchases carbon credits from a company he himself owns. Oh! <laughs> Al Gore, he no dummy, is he? self-appointed expert on global warming, has been purchasing carbon credits in an effort to offset his palatial lifestyle. Mm-hmm. What he didn't tell us, however, is that the company he is buying the credits from is actually owned by him. <laughs> what a snake. And Bill Gates... Is that his name, Bill Gates? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes, sir. Bill Gates, who has a, he has a plan now. He has a master plan. Oh, what sure. do we got? To fight Goodness. climate change. Well, Which is funny because he just bought a private jet company. He hmm. just bought uh, a big share of a, a private jet company. Uh, I'm also learning that uh, President Biden's recent executive order on refugees includes a direction for a study on the impacts of climate change on migration, as well as options for the protection and resettlement of individuals displaced by environmental change. I, I didn't know that was happening. Uh, Jordy writes, President Biden, thank you so much for your efforts to combat climate change. I understand you are moving people that have been affected by climate change. I am one of those people. Can you please move me to Florida? Something oceanfront. At least 4,000 square feet in a pool would be great. When can I expect a moving truck? <laughs> Yours truly, Jordy. P.S. I'm wearing two face masks, as you have asked. Yeah. What a bunch of B.S. I want to play something for you. I heard it yesterday. I am no fan of CNN. Really? And I am no fan of Jake Tapper. But uh, but I'm also a fan of getting some news when I go out at 8.30 on a Sunday morning. Uh, I'm kind of in hope of getting some. There's no local stations anymore that provide news and weather. you got investment shows on all over the place. So that, I'm just setting up yes. to tell you why I, why I checked... Uh, I checked CNN, and I happened to catch Jake Tapper interviewing a woman named Dr. Rochelle Walensky. And, uh, Kenny, do you still have her credentials up on the screen? I do. Dr. Walensky, Chief of Infectious Diseases at Massachusetts General Hospital, has been appointed by President-elect Biden to serve as Director of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, I try to enunciate. Very well. She is Biden's <laughs> choice, in other words, to head up the CDC. And yeah. Tapper uh, asked her yesterday uh, specifically about getting the schools open. And 
I, I want you to hear it. I think every parent in America needs to hear this. And, that, and I'm not diminishing this woman's credentials. I'm sure she's very learned and a, an expert scientist. But man, as she drank the Kool-Aid of the gibberish, because I could not make heads or tails of this. Listen to this. So you have said, quote, school should be the last thing to close and the first thing to open, unquote. Should all students be back in classrooms before the end of this school year? Good morning, Jake. Thanks for having me again. Um, really, what we have said in our guidance is that the amount of classroom activity really depends on the amount of spread in the community. We know that the amount of disease in the community is completely reflected as to what's happening in school. If there's more disease in the community, there will be more in school, and that most disease in school does not come from in-school transmission, but comes from outside, the, into, from into the community. So um, what we would advocate for is to have more kids in school as our community spread comes down. So the CDC guidelines suggest schools could opt not to reopen in-person in classes if they're in a red zone with the high community spread that you just referred to. Uh, w according to our analysis of federal data, that includes 99% of American children. Um, but you have said, quote, there's very little transmission happening in the schools. CDC researchers just wrote in JAMA that, quote, there's been little evidence that schools have contributed meaningfully to increased community transmission. So why give schools that opt not to open up? In, it's a really great question. In that red zone that you're referring to, and in fact, yes, many of our uh, current counties are in that red zone, are the, although our numbers continue to decline. But in that red zone, we advocate for hybrid elementary school um, because we believe those K-5 kids are A, transmitting less, and B, um, really essential to have back in the classroom. Um, and if you're in middle school or high school, we would advocate for virtual learning for that group or if you're able to do six feet of strict six feet of distancing in those classrooms to open remotely in a hybrid uh, way. But President Biden has promised to always follow the science. Can you put to, can you point to any scientific reasons for students in the United States not to return to in-person classes tomorrow as long as schools are taking the five steps that we refer to earlier, masking, uh, cl cleansing, et cetera. Why not open the schools right now? You know, I think if you look at what's, as you noted, there's 90% of, of um, communities with this high rate of transmission going on right now, and we, we really don't want to bring community disease into the classroom. We also know that um, mask breaching is among the reasons that uh, we have transmission within schools when it happens. And so we really need to do the hard work to make sure that there's universal masking, there's uh, strict six feet of distancing between, that there's cohorting or potting so that um, there's, there's a restriction of disease if it were to be transmitted, um, you know, and all of the contact tracing and whatnot that needs to be done. And, and all of that is really hard to put together. Well, I don't, but what's the science? Because you have said there's, you know, I mean, not just you, but Dr. Fauci, others have been saying for months that the schools should be open as long as there's masking and, and uh, cleansing and uh, social distancing, everything that we talked about. If a school's doing that, I understand if, the, if there's a mask violation, that's a problem. But if a school's doing that, I mean, the, the damage, as I don't need to tell you, on kids, the isolation, the psychological damage, the, the educational 
loss of a year for many kids, not to mention the thousands of kids who are just slipping through the cracks. I mean, it, it, it's, uh, it's hard to even calculate. Um, and there are a lot of people out there watching who think like, I, I thought the science said we should open the schools as long as that we take those safety steps. We're taking the safety steps and we're not opening the schools. Yeah, it's, so there are numerous um, uh, research studies that have demonstrated that if with universal masking and uh, six feet of distancing and, um, you know, de-densification of the classrooms, that it's possible to get schools back safely um, with all of that happening. 92% of people in those studies were masked. Um, we have other data that was just published in CDC's MMWR that demonstrate that somewhere around 60% of students are reliably masked asking. That has to be universal. So we have work to do, especially when the country remains in the red zone of high community transmission. As that transmission comes down, we'll be able to relax some of these measures. But the real point is to make sure that the science is consistent with our guidance, which is consistent Jesus. to say, until we can ensure that we have all you. those measures happening, that there would schools wouldn't be safe. I don't know anything. So schools should not be, schools are not going to be safe unless everybody is masking. I mean, I certainly hear that and understand that, but w how do you open the school? I mean, I, I don't even, I'm just really confused. It seems to me like you're saying the schools are safe to open as long as everybody takes these, these steps, but not everybody's taking these steps. Therefore, we're not going to open the schools. Is it, do I have that right? Well, there, we need to make sure that all of those steps are happening. And it's masking, it's distancing, it's potting and, and cohorting of the younger children. It is, you know, cleaning of surfaces, it's hand washing, and it's contact tracing so and diagnostic it. testing in an efficient manner in collaboration with Departments of Public Health. Not all schools are able to do all of those things right now. And Why? many of those schools are in red zones. So we need to make sure that as we come out of the red zones and do our part as a society to to get down from red to lower area, uh, um, rates of transmission, and we need to do the work to get all of those mitigation strategies up and running in all of these schools. The American Rescue Plan has resources, $130 billion of resources, to facilitate and help schools get there. And that's really why we want, we're pushing for the rescue plan so that we can facilitate getting those schools all of those uh, mitigation measures so that they can open safely. This, this is never going to change. Based on that logic. Well, I don't think it's done yet. I think he finally says to her... That was the whole clip. That was oh, all. I, 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 heard, uh, I heard him say, in other words, these schools aren't going to open until everyone is vaccinated. And she didn't have an answer for that. I took a few notes. Uh, it's a different you, kind of potting, Kenny, by the way. If you caught her... <laughs> if you caught her towards the end, she says, we have a $130 billion fund in a rescue plan to help schools do what? Clean surfaces? Right. In other words, lady, I wish you would have asked her, well, wait a minute, you're telling me that some schools can't clean surfaces and, cl and can't enforce a mask and can't, and can't mandate six feet. Why not? Do it. I've never heard such gibberish in my life. She even used the term mask breaching. Yeah, I had to look it up. God Almighty! Does that just that. mean yeah. you're? It's not over your nose and it's over your ear. Well, it worn improperly right. or whatever, you know. Mask right. breaching. The American Rescue Plan. That's a new one to me. I didn't know we had. 130 it. bill. Wow. And she said, she said these basic things: the distancing, the cleansing, and the mask. They're hard to put together. 
No, they're not. No, they're not. No, they're not. All right, let's see. Here's what we all got. All I know is, all I know is, this country has never behaved like this before. I, again, this places me in the position of having to tell you that uh, I'm aware that this can be a, a, a horrible illness, a horrible illness. Well, nobody but, d- doubts r- that. Right. But throughout the history of time, I don't. who has ever behaved like this? They're talking that about these kids don't. not getting to school until next fall, if then. That phrase is applicable across the board, Such, not just this subject. I mean, that phrase applies to everything this country is doing right now. Yeah, it's never behaved this way before. The way that schools are currently behaving, I'm not indicting teachers. I'm I'm indicting the the, the unions. Unions. And the damage that you're doing to young adults and children is absolutely criminal. Yeah. Absolutely criminal. I'm I'm at least thankful because my two kids went back to school over a week ago, but there are some families out there that are struggling, and they have no idea what to do. Tapper, to me, sounded like a guy who has a bunch of kids at home. Yeah, probably. Yeah, right. <laughs> when can I send them? <laughs> I've got three upstairs running around now like wild characters. We hear that. But that's just because they're off school today because of President's Day. But they're all Sounds in like school. Sounds like Chuck E. Cheese. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Up there. They're all in school. They're all in school. $130 billion we have to get you some disinfectant wipes. Jesus, God in heaven, I'm praying. I, what? This is... This is amazing. This country has never behaved like this before. And why? You know, schools are basically open in red states, for the most part, and not open in blue states. Why, why, is, why has this become politicized? Why, why, why does conservative thinking, in the main... Uh, gravitate towards the importance of these kids should be in school, and why does the Mysterian thinking believe they shouldn't be? I, I don't get it. I don't get it. It's hard to follow. Well, everything about it has been politicized since what the beginning, April, uh, May. I, I mean, yeah. it's been a political deal since the get go. Well, uh, my gal, uh, South Dakota Governor Christy Nome, uh, issued a tweet, just very, you know thankful for a frontline work or something like that. And you should have seen the replies. You know how many people are dead? As, as re- Th- Their numbers are exactly the same as the state of Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Exactly the same. People are just going to believe what they want to believe. The pandemic is also changing us. Uh, not only is it evident that the country has never behaved this way it's evident that the pandemic is being seized upon for a variety of reasons for example we mentioned this fellow last week restaurateur uh, brian ingram he owns the gnome on selby avenue in st paul oh, yeah, in the cathedral hill great. area yes and he was he criticized st paul city officials uh, and sunday mayor melvin carter responded he was robbed he's got 21 security cameras he's he's on a pace to be robbed about three times every 10 days Jeez. and carter said well we have a lot of work in front of us this is a top priority for both our police department and our entire administration carter put a large amount of blame on the pandemic citing mm-hmm. high unemployment we have more people unemployed, hungry, and homeless right now than mm-hmm. ever before in our lifetime, and those are always the factors that influence neighborhood crime, he said. 
which is utter BS. Ingram says it's a weak excuse, considering the suspect finally arrested in the robbery of his business at the lengthy felony record spanning more than two decades. The pandemic has nothing to do with it. He's a mid-50s professional criminal. According to St. Paul Police, Earl York, 57, was arrested last Thursday and charged with third-degree burglary. Police say his record includes at least 23 prior felony convictions. you got to keep wow. this guy in the tank. you gotta keep, You can't let wow. him go. Including 16 burglaries. Career criminal robs us, and you're talking about COVID and all this nonsense, Ingram said. You don't learn how to break into a business and get in and out in four minutes just during COVID. That's not true. Uh, in a Facebook post, the Ramsey County Deputies Federation blamed the court system, saying they had arrested York in a string of robberies last summer, but charges were dismissed. Why? We, well, we support and agree with local business owner Brian Ingram. Unfortunately, all too often, we see repeat offenders released from custody with little, if any, consequences. Carter said they are making immediate changes in policing to address current problems. Oh, but says long-term structural changes are needed. I'll tell you what those should be in a moment. Okay. A public safety system that only focuses on emergency response after someone calls 911 after something terrible has happened is not sufficient, said Carter. This is his way of saying that we need to reimagine public safety. Uh, Ingram, who's, who has received backlash for speaking out. Why should he receive backlash for speaking out? All he does is tell the truth. From whom? Yeah. yeah. What's, yeah. what's the I suppose on social media or whatever. Oh, my Lord. He can't keep falling back and say we're going to have a study group, Ingram said of the mayor. I think he should have a study group and we should have criminal reform. But what are we doing right now? Okay, here's, here's the deal. Uh, if we had a reasonable mayor who cared about all of us, this is true in Minneapolis. This is true the closer you get to the country's tallest buildings. If we had mayors who were taking care of the basics, you would not have a mayor, in the case of Carter, with a what, what's the latest? About a, seriously, about a 13-member cabinet. Oh, it's more than that. I thought it was 16. Maybe it's 16, all of whom with job titles that are absolutely unable to be measured for achievement or success, and all of whom probably make, what, between 90 and 120 grand a year. How many police officers would that put back on the street? At least two. Oh. You go back to Mayor George Latimer, he had two people. He had two people. He didn't have 60. He had two people. He had Dick Broker and another guy. He had somebody that run up to the Capitol once in a while. What we have seen, though, is the salon has taken over the country's uh, tallest buildings and have loosed upon us a miserable world, a miserable world. They're, they have no identity remotely with what's happening on the streets of St. Paul. Nope. None. And so let's say there's a million and a half. What's the starting salary for a policeman? Could somebody look it up real quick? 50 or 60? I was going to say 50. That's yeah. what I thought. Yeah, it's well, how well many, under how 100. How many times does 50 go into a million five? Somebody quickly, please. I'm not allowed to do math. How many times does 50 grand go into a million five? Uh, Don't ask me. I'm not. Uh, uh, I got no idea. One million five. Here we go. Divided one. by 50,000 uh, equals 30. There's 30 new cops on the street if you'd get rid of this useless cabinet, which doesn't do anything. There's 30 new cops on the street. Uh, they're down 36 from this time last year. There's your 30 right there. There's your 30. 
Well, and the other problem is you're going to need to find 30 that want to do the job after what they've been enduring these last... Well, there are efforts underway now to uh, reopen a recruiting system. Minimum starting salary in the city of St. Paul, 62... I'm sorry, 64,200. All right. That's considerably less. That's considerably less than anyone on Melvin's Carter, uh, Melvin's cabinet is making. That's less. And I think, I think I speak for a lot of residents. I would rather have the cops than your director of equity and diversity. Well, yeah, who wouldn't? I want the cops. <laughs> I don't want to drive around now constantly admonishing people leaving the house what they got to do to be careful. But that's what it's come to. And you're not even hearing about all of the carjackings. These kids are on, uh, these kids I used to have are on these community sites, whatever yeah. they're called. Yep. Not a day goes by when there isn't another carjacking. Mm-hmm. No. Couple, and most often it's two a day. Chris was right. There's 16 cabinet members. Um, 16. And I cannot, I, oh, your newspaper's website makes a guy. I know it's uh, a bad website, but be patient. Uh, be patient. Yeah, no, it, it pulled, it, it kicked yeah. me off. Yeah. In the meantime, Minneapolis is making news on news sites all over the world because they've been crying and crying and crying about defunding the police. But now the city council just voted unanimously to spend $6.4 million to recruit dozens of new police officers. <laughs> this story Free money, Joe. appeared on the same day yesterday... That was in the, I didn't see that in the Minneapolis paper. This is from the St. Paul Sunday Pioneer Press. City Council voted unanimously to approve funding. City to spend $6.4 million to recruit dozens of police officers in Minneapolis. On the same day yesterday that the Star Tribune had on its front page, police overhaul campaign launched by the George Soros group. Oh. Yes for Minneapolis, the numeral four, as a political committee. It's, it's collecting petition signatures to ask voters in November whether to replace the department with a new entity that would take a comprehensive public health approach to safety. A coalition of progressive groups such as Racism, the Block, Reclaim the Block, and Take Action Minnesota are part of the effort, and they received $500,000 from the Washington, D.C.-based group Open Society Policy Center, which we have discussed That's the lobbying arm of Open Society Foundations, a philanthropic group founded by billionaire George Soros. The committee wants to get 20,000 signatures by March 31st to help ensure the proposed charter amendment gets on the ballot to not have police force. They'll get them. They'll get them. Then what did they just release $6.4 million for to hire new cops? We are led by some of the most incompetent people imaginable. They have managed to land on city council seats, probably due to a overwhelming apathy by most people. Yep, right there. Just due to an overwhelming apathy or contented people who are, have, have good jobs and, and don't really pay attention and really don't care. And, and so you end up with you know the Lisa Benders and the Philippe Cunninghams and the rest of these cuckoos who are incompetent. You've been crying all year to defund the police. Now you can't wait to rush in and spend six, which I approve of, to spend six point four million to get more police because you realize that crime is out of control. 
Two people shot dead in their car last night outside Roosevelt High School. And one of them was a pregnant woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would have been uh, 28th. Yep. Eight blocks, eight, and I call them short blocks, uh, from where I used to live. Eight mm-hmm. blocks. Kid used to walk to school. Well, not not a not a troubled neighborhood by any stretch of the imagination. Awesome neighborhood. Yeah. Awesome South Not a troubled neighborhood by any stretch of the imagination. Yep. yep, and we never had issues until after the riots, and now it's just a nightmare. It's because the, the signal, yeah. the signal that was sent by the reigning political salon was, you are entitled to act out because of the death of George Floyd. You are entitled to act out. Right. Yeah, and your mayor just said it. Uh, you said it, you started this discussion with uh, his response to that business owner, and it sounds to me like he's been watching. You remember the old movie Such Fun with Dick and Jane? Yeah, Dick vaguely. and Jane lose their high pri- uh, their their high paying jobs and go on a crime spree to pay yeah. off their lifestyle. Yeah. that's what he thinks this is. Yeah. <laughs> what a jackass! Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. 57-year-old career criminal has nothing to do with the pandemic. Well, he's nothing. hungry, Joe. He's wow. hungry because, yeah. you know, the pandemic. It changed. The pandemic changed his life in one year. Right. In one year, his life was changed. He's probably doing better this year than he's ever done. Right. <laughs> I got a raise. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're the only people making a profit during the pandemic. <laughs> well, I wrote yesterday about crime in St. Paul, and I violated my own policy yeah how'd that go i read the comments on the column and in the column in the column i told the story of what i told you guys about a couple of weeks ago how i went into a walgreens behind three Mm -hmm. teenage girls who as i was paying for a ream of copy paper scurried out the door giddily each with a carry basket of beauty products and i said wait a minute there's no way they could have paid for that I went out, got a license plate number, brought it back into the manager, and he said, yeah, I'll call it in. But the poor fellow was so resigned to this. I don't know if he did or he didn't. But the comments were, who cares about Walgreens? They're a giant corporation. They have billions of dollars. So the the level of intellect among the readers is so low that it's astonishing. Now, there were many commenters who liked the piece and and said wise things, but there there were a dozen, at least a dozen people commenting that well it's only walgreens they have who cares what do you care about what's an old man like you sushri worrying about walgreens loss prevention program that is entitlement wow <laughs> that's you not know what, what i was writing about <laughs> that you're right matthew that is entitlement they're mm-hmm. so big that it doesn't matter they're gonna be fine that's on mine. par that's on par with fry saying yeah it's just brick and mortar it's yeah. that sort of ignorance. Well, then then maybe we don't need to be so puzzled by who gets elected. If that's a prevailing mindset, if 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 strident liberalism is a prevailing mindset, the closer you get to the country's tallest buildings, then maybe we shouldn't be surprised that you're going to continue to elect these people. Right. Because they're no dummies. These city council people know exactly who they're playing to. They know exactly who they're playing to. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I didn't know you were going to be this good. Yeah, today. right. Either that I hate to be this good. <laughs> I knew. Raises I knew the bar. It really raises the bar. It raises the bar. All morning I've been, oh, he's going to be good today. Oh, Suchi, yeah. <laughs> 
If we all just switch to cursive and stick shift cars, we could cripple an entire generation. Tracy sent me that. Isn't that the truth? Yeah. If we all just yeah. switch back to cursive and stick shift cars, we could cripple an entire generation. Of thugs. Mm-hmm. I got a great note from uh, Skilly in West St. Paul. Yeah. You remember that guy? I think so. He's the, uh, he's the short guy with the gray hair. Well, he's, he's had a couple of wonderful uh, Red Savoy experiences, and he had another one over the weekend where he forgot to go online to, oh. to, to get his free wings. He's not but he started, telling, he started telling the guys in the, uh, in the Red Savoy on White Bear Avenue about that, and he said, you know, how about a little something for the effort? Well, sure enough, they said, okay, come back in about 15 minutes. We'll have your, we'll have your wings ready. So he got the wings because the guys in the store uh, looked it up and realized that uh, he was legitimately reflecting something from the Red Savoy uh, Boy, copy, and, and he that got it. Tight. He that got it. So he got his wings. Don't get used to that either, uh, Mike. What do you say, Mike from St. Paul, West St. Paul? Something Just like that. follow procedure, Mike, next time, okay, buddy? Yeah. 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 Okay. Right oh, it's great, though. Mike. It's yeah, great. Of course, and that's he, the treatment you get at Red Savoy. He also did rave about the wings and rave about the pizza. That original recipe that Red Schoenheider passed down to Reed Daniels, and now that original recipe is available all over the metro. Apple Valley, Blaine, Burnsville, Egan, Eden Prairie, Edina, Hugo, yes, Lakeville, you're open. Osseo, Roseville, St. Louis Park. Downtown St. Paul, White Bear Avenue on St. Paul, St. Paul on Snelling, Vadness Heights, and Woodbury. Now go to the app. You can go to uh, SavoyPizza.com or go to the app and sign up for the, download the app, or visit SavoyPizza.com is what I meant to say, and download the app, and that way you get the free wings. It's a limited time offer, and it's for GLers. You, like like this guy Mike did, he just got lucky. Right. He walked in and right. convinced him he was a right. GLer because I happen to know he is. Right. Uh, and they and they understood and were gracious about it. But uh, for the for the rest of us, we got to do it online. Then you get the wings when you pick up your Red Savoy pizza. And uh, man, if you haven't had one yet, you're uh, you're in for a soda, S O T A style treat. Did you ever think common sense would be this much fun? Joe Souchere. Okay, dummies, quiz time. You ready? Yep. Yep. What is the name of the stadium at Concordia, St. Paul? I'm out. Tick tock. Seafoam. Tick tock. Matthew. Is it really? Yes. Yes. Everybody knows that. Yeah. Everybody knows you drive by there. It's Seafoam Stadium. I used to be the voice of the uh, Concordia football team. You were not. Yeah. Were you? Yes, yes. Was. yeah. Yes, he was. Until I got kicked off because I would uh, uh, mock brother, the referees. Uh, <laughs> and oh, the referees oh. would be doing a tumbling exercise at halftime, and they didn't like it. So I, yeah. Oh, I thought you were telling that. Uh, here comes my brother-in-law joke. Uh, stop sign. Stop uh, I'll tell you after the Seafoam ad. Seafoam Stadium went from a vision of the athletic department to a reality when Mr. Phil Friend, is it Fendre, his generous donation of $5 million on behalf of Seafoam Sales moved the project forward. Uh, they were able to complete that on behalf of the benefactor donations. And that is my Seafoam story of the day. Well, that and uh, this weather. Oh, boy, this weather is a good example of why seafoam engine treatment is so essential. Not only does it keep those injectors happy, which really helps in starting in the cold weather, but it also helps eliminate moisture, which is critical when temps are below zero. And imagine my surprise. I found out that seafoam 
also makes a universal power steering fluid. I wish I had known that before I screwed around with the roommate's frozen pump all day yesterday. Not a double entendre. Uh, so I'm going to be adding that to my chemical ca- cabinet in the shop. Thank it goodness. It didn't occur C-fum. to me that it was. <laughs> well, I, I know how your mind works there, uh, Uncle Joe. Yeah. Uh, thank goodness seafoam's so easy to find. It's everywhere. It's got to be one of the most stocked products on the automotive shelf in the world. Easier to find than a Snickers bar and better for you. It's a wonderful product in a world of bad gas. It's Seafoam. Big snowfalls out in Seattle and Portland. Woo! Doesn't get any lower than this. I saw this. Uh, purported members of Antifa worked together to create a barrier of snow outside of Seattle, Washington Police Precinct in order to keep police from responding to calls during Friday and Saturday snowstorm. Yep. According to Fox News, protesters created a ramp of snow at least three feet tall outside the city's East Precinct building, which was at the center of the chop zone over the summer of love. Mm. The barricade effectively prevented officers' vehicles from leaving the building. Around a dozen demonstrators gathered outside the precinct and gleefully cheered when they saw that the police were unable to leave the precinct in their cars. Did you see the video, Joe? Yep. As the patrol car tried to leave the precinct and was blocked by the ramp, protesters could be seen jumping up and down and celebrating and throwing snowballs at the vehicle. After several unsuccessful attempts to maneuver around the large pile, several officers exited the precinct and worked together to shovel the snow away. At least one officer can be heard in a social video threatening to arrest bystanders if they do this again. Why wouldn't you arrest them right now? Right here, right now. All of them. You cannot block police from exiting a police vehicle precinct, another officer can be heard saying. Another video shared by Instagram user Seattle BLM Flower Fairy. That's why I love social media. Shows a crowd of demonstrators telling officers they are gathered to just have a friendly snowball fight. Oh, yeah. Sure. Another person can be heard saying that cops are being aggressive and violating people's rights. As officers, <laughs> as officers begin moving people away from the area to remove the obstruction. Moments later, an officer can be heard asking a protester if they would like a sticker. I don't know what that means. You seem a little angry and sad. Usually stickers make people feel better, the unnamed officer can be heard saying. The person responds, I am not sad. Am I angry? Yes. Uh, Andy No, a journalist, shared video of the encounter on Twitter and wrote, Overnight, Antifa in Seattle gathered to pile snow on the driveway of the Seattle Police East Precinct used to be. They stopped police from being able to drive out to respond to calls during the snowstorm. And I don't, for the life of me, understand the protocol. Why would the, why would the cops give these uh, idiots a second right. chance? Right. I don't get it. I don't get it. Uh, how fun would it have been... Uh Hello, how fun would it have been to tackle that guy jumping up and down, just running from behind and just a full-on <laughs> just, just a full on tackle. And then yeah. my second comment is uh, you can tell the Seattle cops not used to dealing with snow because what would you do if you were facing that uh, in front of your garage door? I know what I'd do. I'd back up all the way, as much, give myself as much room as I could, and hammer <laughs> the throttle <laughs> and blast through there. And then my third comment maybe should be kept off the air. We should book Andy. We should get yeah. him on the air. Yeah. That'd be a fun interview. Mm-hmm. Okay. But there, think of the people who might have needed help. Yeah. And the cops can't get to them. Right. 
God. Joe, on your Friday show, you commented. Uh, let me let me set this up a little better. Uh, I spent two days talking about the liar at the University of Minnesota, uh, Nikhil Beatty, mm -hmm. who lied about an encounter he had with the police. And during Friday's segment, I said, just to put things in perspective, uh, people of color probably do have some trepidation when they're stopped by a police car, right? Mm -hmm. it's, 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 it's been part of America's unfortunate history. I, I should have said at the time, but I think that's not happening now 99 and 9 tenths percent of the time. I think the, I think the police are going out of their way to, uh, to be courteous to everyone. And uh, I, would, I would predict that uh, the cops are not a cause of uh, anxiety for black people the way they might have been, say, 50 years ago or 30 years ago. Is that a safe statement? I think that's safe. Well, but I got a retired police officer here who's very upset with me. Mm. On your Friday show, you commented, if anyone deserves to feel any trepidation being stopped by the police, it should be people of color based on history. I strongly disagree with you. Law enforcement has been my career for over 30 years. I have never stopped anyone based on their race. I, I never made that allegation, sir. I have never uh, treated anyone differently based on their race. Uh, the many fine men and women I work with in my department and other departments do not do their jobs any differently than me, and they all try to enforce the law impartially, regardless of the person's race, color, or creed. Trepidation, why exactly? I hope you do not believe cops are looking to harm people of color. I did not say that, sir. Every cop I have known wants to make the community they work in safer and a better place to live. Uh, if you can find a greater defender of police, sir, uh, uh, please let me know. We all truly want to help people. No cop is out there looking to put themselves in a situation where they could lose their job, their family, and everything they own and go to prison. Why would that even seem like a good idea? What exactly do you mean by based on history? Well, come on, pal, you can't be that naive. We cannot control when crime happens. We cannot control how people behave. As you often say, we need people to stay in school and get married before having kids. We need two-parent households. We need people to have agency in their lives. The formula of hard work, self-discipline, faith, family, and respect for yourself and others goes a long way. Well, I certainly echo all his sentiments. Mm -hmm. yeah, I... Over the years, I have enjoyed numerous encounters with people of color, filled with laughter and smiles during traffic stops and calls for service. The suggestion only white people can or do have a relaxed or positive interaction with cops is blatantly wrong. Good. Kenny Olson has commented a number of times how his black friends have been treated differently in situations where he knows for a fact he would have been let go. How does yeah. he know that for a fact? Have the cop or cops involved called him up and told him so? Has it happened that the same cop stopped his friends and him for the exact same thing at the exact same time at the exact same location so he saw firsthand an exact side-by-side -side comparison? If he knows this is a fact, I would hope he has been reporting these officers to their respective departments with his facts so the officers involved can be fired. I do not want to work with racist cops, nor does anyone else. When family members or friends have told me of their police encounters, invariably when I follow up with the officer involved, it turns out... Uh, a part of the story was left out by the friend or relative. I am not saying Mr. Olson's friends are being untruthful, but I am saying there's a good chance there is another side to the story. Police work is a noble and honorable profession. I consider myself fortunate uh, to have worked with so many outstanding individuals for obvious reasons I cannot sign my name. Okay. 
Uh, I, well, it was I all right, Joe. I, I don't think we need to get defensive over that. I think he made some good points. Yeah, about, I'm not. Def- about, I'm not defensive enough. I'm not defensive about it. But I, uh, it just again, it, I, it shows me that people listen so selectively. Yeah. Well, Jeez Louise. I think he made some good points about me anyway. Uh, you know, <laughs> I can't. I can't disagree with him. No, no I think he's right. Yeah. I think he's right. Speaking of the liar. Uh, Bert writes, to continue with Our Little Liar, I'd like to add to the Chief's pertinent question, the Chief meaning the emailer called Chief, the Chief's pertinent question of uh, Feb 12 about Nikhil Beatty. He asked why this fellow would want to ride if he was taking a walk. I would additionally like to know why our social justice Pinocchio uh, wanted a ride with someone he was ostensibly afraid of, dislikes, and wishes to vilify. I have this cartoon Bubble of a large mob. Left side of the mob chants, defend these, defund these bastards. Right side chants, unless they give us a ride. Well, he asked for the ride if you buy the uh, conspiracy theory. He, uh, he failed miserably uh, if, in fact, it was his goal to go out that night and troll and hope for an incident. Uh, he failed miserably. So then maybe he thought, and this is just speculation, we don't know this, uh, but then maybe he thought, well, I, t- I know what I'll do now. I'll ask the guy for a ride so I can get in his squad car, and then I can write about that, too. Right, right. So, so. That's kind of what I thought. Yeah. Uh, th- this item was pretty popular over the weekend in uh, mm-hmm. news sites, including Alpha News, where he, uh, this show got some props Good. for uh, bringing it to light. Nothing yet in the Star Tribune. Are you ready, boys? Lay it on us, bro. Come on. Here we go. Uh, This came to me from Brian in Duluth, who writes, Well, if nothing else, Oregon Oregon is consistent in trying to destroy anything and everything they can think of. The Oregon Department of Education recently encouraged teachers to register for training that encourages encourages ethno-mathematics and argues, among other things, that white supremacy manifests itself in the form, in the focus of finding the right answer. A newsletter sent last week advertises a Feb 21 Pathway to Math Equity microcourse. What? Which is designed for middle school teachers to make use of a toolkit for dismantling racism in mathematics. The events, the event website identifies the event as a partnership between California's San Mateo County Office of Education, the Education Trust West, and others. Part of the toolkit includes a list of ways white supremacy culture infiltrates math classrooms. Those include the focus on getting the right answer. What? Hello? Uh, (laughs) Trying to follow. I actually have the Wikipedia page up too, Suits, so I've, I've got you in my ear spewing this nonsense, and then I'm trying to read what it really is, and none of it, none of it is, oh. They're offering oh. as examples of white supremacy culture in math uh, the focus on getting the right answer, students being required to show their work, and other alleged manifestations. The concept of math being purely objective is unequivocally false, so two and two isn't necessarily four. No, because you racist. Right. Mm-hmm. We ought to meet. What? Is it that or is it something deeper that I'm? we're not grasping? 
Well, let's try here. The concept of math being purely objective is unequivocally false, and teaching it is even much less so. The document for the Equitable Math Toolkit reads, Upholding the idea that there are always right and wrong answers perpetuates objectivity as well as a fear of open conflict. Mother of God in heaven. See you. The office of uh, the uh, Oregon Department of Education, led by Colt Gill, confirmed the letter to Fox News. ODE Communications Director Mark Siegel also defended the Equitable Math Educational Program, saying it helps educators learn key tools for engagement, develop strategies to improve equitable outcomes for black, Latinx, and multilingual students and joint mm -hmm. communities of practice. Hmm. Uh, you said Latinx, not Latwinx. Whatever. Instead of focusing on one right answer, the toolkit encourages teachers to come up with at least two answers that might solve the problem. Uh, two plus two is four. That's what's all. Another? That's what's the only well, answer. Now, well, three plus one is four. Okay. I'll buy, buy that. Okay. Five minus one is four. Right. Challenge subsidized test questions by getting the right answers, but justify other answers by unpacking the assumptions that are made in the problem. Explain that to me. I, I can't, uh, Kenny. I can't. I can't. No, I I, but I can dwell. Let's, let's dwell a bit on the word equity. There was a great Wall Street Journal article Saturday, an interview with Shelby Steele, a great black man who is a great thinker. And he uh, said that what's happened in this country is that equality has been conflated with equity. He said equity is what you have in your house. So, so Shelby Steele would read this and he'd have himself a good laugh because what it really means is you're going to give every kid the same grade to make them Equitable. That's what this means. That's all this means. If you can't come up uh, with two plus two is four, we're going to work with you until you come up with a way to come up with four that might not seem that obvious, and therefore you're going to get the same grade as a kid who said two plus two is four. Which doctor do you want operating on your brain? Mm. I've always thought mathematics is the purest form of facts there are. Yeah, you can't. There's just you can't. Just, the there is bad. only one answer. Right. Right. I, I can't read the rest of it. Cheat. It's too. It's too saddening. It's too maddening, really. In mathematics education, ethnomathematics is the study of the relationship between mathematics and culture, often associated with cultures without written expression. It may also be defined as the mathematics which is practiced among identifiable cultural groups. It refers to a broad cluster of ideas ranging from distinct numerical and mathematical systems to multicultural mathematics education, the goal of which is to contribute both to the understanding of culture and the understanding of mathematics, and mainly to lead to an appreciation of the connections between the two. I've read that four times, and it doesn't seem that to me from reading that that ethnomathematics is the two plus two it's the study of that on cultures does that make sense no because what difference does it make <laughs> what 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 does culture have to do with knowing that two plus two is four 
I have no answer for that. I, well, it doesn't, I, because there is yeah, no answer. Would, it doesn't have I any answer. I would ask the same question. Huh? Equity yeah. is, uh, to paraphrase some of Shelby Steele's work, uh, equity is merely a means by which white people are continuing to believe they're virtuous. Uh, Shelby Steele said black people did a hell of a lot better when we were left alone, <laughs> which, which is echoing my sentiment that black parents should, should tell the education system to quit doing my kid a favor. Well, they're, yeah. they're you're making my. That's what this is. You're doing my kid a favor. You're not expecting him to know that two plus two is four. So you're going to come up with other ways he can get the right answer. Because there's only one answer. There's only one right answer. Two and two is four. Joe, you know how you have a phrase that you say we're always going to miss the the previous mayor because they're yep. just going to continue to get worse. Do you think yep. that the same thing's playing out right now in the fact that we're going to consider this the good old days? Oh God! Oh, yes, with the with the rabbit hole we're going down. Wow. A fun guy to uh, read his his comments on this is Eric Weinstein. He's a genius mathemat a mathematician, and actually mm-hmm. the brother of Brett Weinstein. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, once again, that's one of these topics. Such like I told you off the air last week. If I ever say the words hypotheses again, right, I'll cut turn me your off, mic right? off. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah. This is one of those things. If I ever bring up ethnomathematics, just just shut me up right away because <laughs> I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> no idea. Shelby Steele would say, "Leave us the hell alone." And what he's what he's saying? He's saying that to the left. Will you quit intruding? Will you, will you quit making up these capricious and arbitrary dynamics that don't do anything for us? Nothing. It's just BS. You're making the child less than. That's outrageous. You have to expect the same from any child of color as you do any child. And you have to hold them to those expectations. Otherwise, what's the point? What is the point of this math nonsense? Other than it makes the people who dreamed it up feel good about themselves. Equality, Such equality. No, no, it's not equality. It's equity. There's a big equity. difference. Yeah. Black yeah. people in America, this is Shelby Steele again, have equality. Compared to 50 years ago or whatever, he, he lays it out pretty good. We have equality. So quit trying to force equity down our throats. Equity is the equal outcomes. That's all equity is, is an equal outcome. Well, outcomes are not equal. Yeah. What are you doing? We're what are laughing, you doing, rookie? We're, we're laughing at your background noise. We're enjoying the bouncy house sounds coming from upstairs at your house. I'm wondering when they're going to take a I break think, for uh, Chuck E. Cheese pizza. I think Bigfoot is upstairs. Yeah. How do you guys hear that? I can't even hear it. You can't. We're not you listening really, to you. We're not listening. You don't to you. run your cans loud enough, Such. That's oh. why. <laughs> the toolkit adds that building on the framework, teachers engage with critical praxis. P R A X I S. I don't know what that means. I'm looking it up. In order to shift their instructional beliefs and practices toward anti-racist math education, by centering anti-racism, we model how to be anti-racist math educators with accountability. In one section of the Dismantling Racism Workbook, the argument is made that only white people can be racist because only white people as a group have that power. 
another section seems to justify anti-cop sentiments, which you're seeing the closer you get to the country's tallest buildings. Praxis, uh, praxis, action, practice such as exercise or practice of an art, science, or skill, a customary practice or conduct, a practical oh. application of a theory. So it's doing your thing is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Just, it's just doing your thing. It, it, you know, it, we it, need to go to an expert suit. We need to call somebody in. Is there anybody at the U of M or Thomas or anywhere, St. Thomas, anywhere else we could call in? We've done it before. Ruck, do you recall back in the radio days, we had a black caller, a frequent uh, black guy who was a frequent caller. Mm-hmm. And he always had reasonably interesting contributions. But one time he said, you know, white people, you stole math from us. You stole math from. I, us. I vaguely remember that. Remember oh, that? That yes. would be fun. That would and be I, fun. I, I wish I would have. I, I didn't say it at the time. I. You always think of what to say after the, when it's too late. But I would have said, well, "How can you steal an idea? There's right. there's there's nothing to steal. You can't steal math. No. And prevent okay. other people from knowing about it. You can't do that. It's an idea. Anyway, that was a long time ago, and. I haven't heard from the guy in ages, ages, ages. I met him once on uh, Grand Mesopotamia. The early evidence. Yes, the earliest he said evidence you stole of, it from Egyptians. Right of written mathematics dates back to the ancient Sumerians, who built the earliest civilizations in Mesopotamia. Jesus, uh, they developed a complex <laughs> system of meteorology from 3000 BC. Yeah, who invented the first mathematics? Uh, I got no shot at this one. Mm. It starts with a PY. <laughs> Ancient Greeks. Ancient P- Greeks. Pythagorean? Yes, 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 Matthew. Yeah. I don't Pythagorean boy. theory. I don't Good remember job. what it is, but I remember the guy. Mathematics in uh. Wikipedia. Wait a second. Don't go away yet. Yeah. Uh, includes the study of such topics as quantity, structure, space, and change. It has no, oh, mathematics has no generally accepted definitions. Oh, interesting. Really? Huh. All right. All right. Okay. Can we take a water break, please? Sure. I didn't know I was going to be this bad today. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a tough one. Here's a man who spends hours in hardware stores, sifting through the nuts and bolts of life. Joe Sucero. Okay, I'm going to give the website before I launch. Oh, what a great word, launch. Uh, before I launch into this rambling story, it's trainingndt.com. And I'm sorry to keep hammering on this NASA deal uh, because there's so many other options. In NASA. Yeah, that's the channel I was watching again on Saturday, NASA. And, NASA. Uh, <laughs> Right, Nassau. And uh, there was a, now listen, there was a little short feature about five minutes long on one of the quality control testers at a rocket facility. And boy, she was a happy employee doing testing that the Institute of Non-Destructive Testing teaches. She was, she was never without a smile. Anyway, uh, from aerospace and aviation to construction, manufacturing, oil and gas development, you name it, they use non-destructive testing. And the Institute of Non-Destructive Testing, right here in Minnesota, by the way, has a 92% placement rating. Headhunters, they actually come looking for you. 
uh, the program. It's six months of online studies, and you go in for three weeks at the training facility in Baxter, housed in a hotel the whole time. The cost, it's in your tuition. Don't worry about it. Uh, and that's when the big wigs show up to see who's who and who's going to be the next testers. You'll be trained in the art of testing equipment and materials new and used without actually destroying said material in the process. I know what I'm saying might not make sense, but log on to trainingndt.com. All of your questions will be answered. It's a great investment with a great staff, wonderful online course, just an all-around great school. Actually, it's the GLers' answer to the failed academy. They're doing it right. Check out uh, all the training at trainingndt.com and get signed up and enjoy the rest of your life. Trainingndt.com. Do squirrels uh, have a... A common prey that's after them. Are you asking for a friend? What? I'm watching a squirrel now. I, I finished a stem, a stem of grapes today, and I threw the stem, the empty stem, out, betting that a squirrel would eat it. And he's been trying to for just an ages now, and he's not getting anywhere. I would imagine a hawk or an eagle would be the only fox, maybe. Is that uh, the side? Yeah, if you're. If you're, tres- if you're a squirrel trespassing in my yard, uh, your I enemy is Kenny. Like, uh, I might be a problem for you. <laughs> I can't wait till we get a thaw so I can install my bird feeder. I want to have a bird feeder right outside the window here. <clears throat> what we've noticed, Such, is uh, normally it would take them three days to clean out a bird feeder. When the temperatures go below zero, it's yeah. one day. Really? And all that feed is gone. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. We've made what we've done is we've made the birds dependent on us. We're like drug dealers. <laughs> yeah. For that clean out, some of those squirrels are a little more advanced than others. Joe, did you better s- at it? Uh, yeah. Back yep. to what we started the show with, or the beginning of the show about uh, the CDC director. Right. This story is just uh, just came across the uh, the timeline on Twitter okay. about some comments that she had in July. Yep. That are the exact opposite of what she's told Jake Tapper over the weekend. Really? Uh, oh. Walensky well. told Newton, Massachusetts officials in July of 2020 that, quote, if people are masked and it is quite safe and much more practical to be at three feet, schools should, capitalized should, be reopened. Mm-hmm. So she's a liar. Do we have, no, wait a minute. Do we hold that against her? Because what did we know in July? Well, she would offer uh, the idea that the science is changing. You know, she's she's got an out for this. She's, she, I don't think I think saying that she's lying might be a bit harsh. Uh, she's she's got a numerous ways she can talk around this. But the only reason I played that for you in the beginning was she's talking around it today or yesterday. You you couldn't understand a word she was trying to say. Right, gobbledygook. It was just gobbledygook. But you don't think that she changed her tune because she was appointed by the Biden administration? You don't think that that has anything to do with it? I don't Uh, know. Are you suggesting the Biden administration is specifically complicit in keeping schools closed? Chris, I think the Biden administration picked her because of what she's been saying. But if she said something like that in July, remember, there was a, a pretty big, significant spike in uh, December, that's true, uh, and now that has decreased. So, I mean, maybe her game plan changed when uh, cases started to. Well, now rise. we're being told we're going to get the the variant surge after spring break. Travel is still not advised. They, they, this country has never behaved this way before. I, I don't know where it's taking us. We've discussed some of the ways it's changing us, particularly with the way politicians in tall buildings look at crime. It's changing that. 
uh, they're somehow using the pandemic to somewhat justify a crime. Uh, but my God, doesn't anybody care about these kids? Get them back in school. Right. Walls, uh, I don't know why Walls is so, well, I do know. He's pretty much indebted to the education union for their votes and what have you. Joe, I appreciated the emails last week from the Euphorian teacher, our friend uh, Karen from Venezuela. You'll recall she converted to GL. I chatted with her a bit this morning. Uh, I was struck by how you wrote back to her. This is indeed a rare thing. I've been writing to you for years, and though many of my letters have been honored with showtime, I have only once ever received an email response from you. It was so profound that I committed the email to memory and have rewritten it in its entirety below. Bingo. That's it. Years of writing to you <laughs> with one word written back. I've been a good GLer for as long as I knew the definition. I got one word in response after years of faithful listening, and she got a whole letter. I started finding myself a bit jealous of our teacher friend. I get the occasional response from the Honorable Mr. Reavers via email, but that's just not the same as that he is not the mayor of anything. But then I remembered the words of none other than Jesus himself. I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. So let me be among the first of the 99 to joyfully welcome our euphorian sister to the garage for a civil conversation over a cold one, Dave Bliss, Sophia, Bulgaria. So I had to email him again. I emailed him. And I said, I didn't write her a letter. I just responded, thank you. And he emailed me back saying, my God, that's the second time you've responded to me. <laughs> and you gave her one more word than uh, he right, received. Right. Thank you. I said thank you to her. And, and uh, somehow he's, he's, he took a little umbrage at that, but I think with a wink and a nod. I didn't hear from uh, Tom Lyman today from Marleth Park, Pumeronga, South Africa. Oh, you didn't get the, this day in history? So I looked it up just for oh, the hell of it. Okay. In 1870 on this day, a groundbreaking ceremony for the Northern Pacific Railroad line is held at Northern Pacific Junction, later called Carleton. The line to the Pacific Ocean, completed on September 8, 1883, with the same spike used to begin construction in Minnesota, is the first single company transcontinental line back in the old, uh, back in the old days. There. Okay. In the winter, they finished the train line. Yeah. Yeah. You say we got the first 60, huh? To start First off the 60 show? of the year was today in 1921. It was 63 on this day in 1921. You don't tell me. Mm -hmm. And this cold weather uh, all over the country is going to be wreaking havoc on electric cars. I, I can't help but chortle about that. I'm not a fan of electric cars, nor will I be until they get a range of about 1,000 miles and you can recharge them in the time it takes to buy a tank of gas. How's that? I was just, I was wondering about the heat factor myself, and I had to look it up because, you know, in this weather, it takes, what, 10, 15 minutes to get up to, you know, shirt sleeve weather in the cab. Yep. yep. So I was wondering how that happens. You know, I'm on a This Day in History here, and I'm trying to figure out when Grundhoffer's open for business, <laughs> and it doesn't say, which leads me to believe they've been in business so long that it's not even noted in history. Well, and now they're in business with another new meatloaf. That makes three, if I may count to three without being accused of racism. Okay, try it. Meatloaf, one. Town Ball Meatloaf, two. Minnesota Meatloaf, three. 
It's an objective fact. There are three meatloafs. The town ball joins as Spencer and his team's latest creation. So does Minnesota Meatloaf. Uh, they uh, they are making hundreds of pounds of meatloaf. That's hundreds? Four, hundreds, 400 wow. pounds. And I think the other day I said 40,000 pounds. I think I was overstating it. Might have been a bit just, much. Just a bit. And this is the season for soups. Yeah, you look out the window and you're freezing to death, but then you look at the stove and there's a giant thigh bone from some animal sticking out of the pot and you're getting them one hell of a soup. Oxtails, beef shanks, smoked and fresh pork hocks, smoked ham shanks, and pork neck bones. It's all at Grunhofer's in Hugo. It's right on Highway 61 at the north end of Hugo. It's a it's meatertainment with the brats, the steaks, the ham, the bacon, the burgers. It is fantastic. It's the it's the GLers go-to place for meat, soups, meatloaf, you name it. It's all at Grunhofer's on the north end of Hugo on Highway 61. Nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just flipping through uh, some of this this day in history stuff, mm-hmm. and I saw that it wasn't today, but as of yesterday, it was. This is Mr. T. No, 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 no. Happy Valentine's Day from one sweetheart to another sweetheart. You don't get to do that anymore. Happy Valentine's Day. We weren't on on Valentine's Day. We weren't, and it killed me. It killed me. People, I was aware. I I came under fire for not doing it that Friday, but it was it was too early. You you couldn't. It's on the Monday, right? Uh, Speaking of that, Rook, uh, maybe you could answer the question. I got a tweet in response to the post of the show for Friday. That we need more of Rookie's creative genius sound bites. Uh, I forgot how good those Authors Corner ones were, but what were we counting down? Authors Corner with Joe Souchere. The countdown continues. Bam! You should create a sounder for On This Day in History. Nah. Rookie. <laughs> I think you yeah. do pretty good on the that intro. Was, that was the, somebody emailed me that recommendation. I think you do pretty good on the intro there. <laughs> I think it was Kelly in North Carolina. Is that uh, who it was? Up with, yeah, let's, come up with uh, I'll, I'll, I'll come up with something. Oh, no, you won't. No, I, I think I will. It, I, I'm, I'm going to do some research and development on this. I don't this. think you will at all. We'll see how we uh, how it works out. Are you going to run the numbers? I'm going to run the numbers, like you kicking tires when it's 0% interest. i got to run the numbers. i got to run the numbers. Matt, when you're not here during the week, he'll occasionally say to me, uh, Kenny, look up blah, 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 and I'll just sit here and shake my yeah, head. It's, no, it's really not no, worth it. I think you're moving on no, at this point. No, to your show, buddy. What's the next item? <laughs> you look next it up. item. <laughs> Thank God I prepare. Yes, I, I do. Thank you, Lord, for that preparation. Under our direction. Yes. yes. Under your yes. direction. Under yeah. the direction Guidance. of you. Yeah. Yeah. A week from today, uh, uh, based on my telephone, uh, 37 degrees a week from today. Thank God. Hot dog. Woo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was the first uh, phrase out of uh, your uh, Monday Night Sports Talk co-host's mouth. He compared the uh, the temperature here currently to uh, his estate in Fort Myers and said there's about a 100-degree difference. I'm getting a word from a kid I used to have uh, in the Illinois area that he's never seen it snowing so hard. Uh, it's just he tried to take a video oh. and said the video will not do it justice. He can't see across the street. Wow. It's a climate crisis, Joe. We got to do a, something it's about a, it. It's just terrible. It's yeah. just never happened before nope, either. Never. Just never happened before, except in well, in the case of Austin, Texas, it happened in 1936, 1900. Well, you can look it up yourself. <laughs> Check it out. Speaking yeah. of uh, Happy Valentine Day, really quick, you guys remember uh, this guy right here? <laughs> uh, yeah, he is now a kindergartner. 
Oh, boy. And wow. he reported to me that he has six girlfriends because of Valentine's Day. At, Whoa. Uh, so, yeah. He's a player already, I huh? I think yeah. he, I know where he got that from. <laughs> Wait till he starts playing town ball. The, uh, I had a little kid report to me. Look what I got. Two red erasers. And I said, well, who'd you get those from? She went, Eddie. Oh, oh. <laughs> happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's so Day, Eddie. Is Eddie the steady? <laughs> I don't think so. Not at the age of four. <laughs> right. Well, you never know. Just give it some yeah. time. You never know. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Are we done? I think so. Sure. Yeah. Okay. See ya. Rook. Yeah. What do the fine folks need to know about our friends at Potter, man? I think they should know all about the podcast that not only we are putting out, uh, they should uh, check out some of the podcasts that are brand new. They might have a your genre that you like. You can find them all at PodMN on your smartphone, or if you go to your computer, just go to PodMN.com. Very, very simple. PodMN.com. And also subscribe to our YouTube channel, please. I just saw a couple of videos that I had not seen probably in eight years yeah. on the YouTube. I was just poking around, so check it out. Garage Logic on YouTube. Subscribe so you can be part of the brand new videos that may or may not be coming out. And they might surprise you. <laughs> I think Meghan Markle is the Yoko Ono of the royal family. There, it's been set. There it is. Uh, So it is written, let it be done. More royal news from Joe next podcast.